Lent is upon us, as is the daily grind of our Lenten penances. Oh my gosh, I can't take it anymore. Today on the show, Kate Hicks, a Catholic personal health coach who has helped both priests and laity get control of their habitual eating, talks about fasting and the virtue of temperance. I'm going to go finish this chocolate bar, but you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Theology of the Buddy podcast. Kate, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Chris? Good, good. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course. Awesome. I'm excited to to chat with you today. (laughs) We're really looking forward to it, too. So I wanted to bring you on the show because we've been talking a lot about, especially at the time when this podcast is going to go live, it's going to be in Lent. And of course, there's the three major parts of Lent of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Um, and I wanted to bring you on the show because you are a, a Catholic, but you're also a personal health coach and um, wanted to get uh, a bit of your story about how you ended up uh, in this kind of work um, and how your faith has actually uh, been made a part of that and how we as Catholics need to reignite a passion for taking care of ourselves um, so that in, in every facet of our lives so that we can better serve God and better serve others and, and more adequately respond uh, to the needs of, of, of our state of life, whether that's priesthood, whether that's marriage, et cetera. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about your, your story about you know how you came to love your faith? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've always been raised Catholic, you know, ever since I'm little, that was a huge part of um, my family. And my mom was always bringing us to Bible studies and family rosaries. And there was no question about church on Sunday. Um, And we also grew up very close with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, um, who are based in New York City. And so faith was just, like I said, always something that was a huge part of me. Um, But at the same time, it's kind of like, I was wearing two different masks. I, when I was younger, I never felt like I got really great attention from my dad. So there was a lot of emotions that I was going through and turned to other things, you know, especially food. Um, And it wasn't until I was older that I really found a deep love for my faith because everything else was kind of ripped from me. Um, I got into a lot of trouble in high school, dabbled in alcohol a little bit, but mostly it was my attitude. Um, I loved attention, especially negative attention. Um, And because of that, my school basically said to me, uh, you know, you're going to have to shape up or ship out. And my parents decided to homeschool me, which was the worst thing in the world at that point, because I hated my parents as a 16 year old kid. Um, but through that, like I said, everything was kind of ripped away, didn't have friends, wasn't leaving my house essentially. And just really realized like I've grown up in the faith my whole life. I've been told how much Jesus has loved me, but I never really took it seriously. And I never really sought that relationship with him. And that's kind of when I asked him to, to show up. Like, I don't like where life is headed. I have all these people around me that are filled with so much peace and so much joy. And I want that, but I know I can't get it any other way, but 
with having a relationship with you. And that's kind of when things kind of took off and I saw where God was calling me in my life. Um, I served with Net Ministries for two years and was just able to uh, inspire in others what had been inspired in me. And also, I just have always had a love for passing on knowledge, especially knowledge of the faith. Um, since I was in fourth grade, I always knew that I wanted to be a teacher. And I knew that if I was going to be a teacher, it was going to be in a Catholic school um, because there was no way that I could not talk about Christ. And um, so after attending Franciscan University, I uh, got my full-time teaching license and had been teaching for six years. And then my life started to change a little bit more. <laughs> so like I had mentioned, I was um, all my life, there was two things that were a big part of me. The fact that I wanted to be a teacher and the fact that I was overweight. Um, it, being overweight was something I'd always struggled with. And thinking about it now, reflecting on it now, especially going through this big transformation that has happened in the last couple of years, it's funny to look back and see different parts of my life and uh, how things were impacted. Not only was I trying to get attention from people because I was getting negative attention from my dad, but also I had this piece about me, like I had always been overweight. So maybe if I let people notice me more in different ways, they can overlook the fact that I am the chubbiest girl in class or clothes aren't really fitting me correctly, or I can't really fit into the clothes that other girls are wearing, you know? And it was always a struggle for me. Um, and then shortly after getting married, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which makes it really hard to lose weight and you gain weight very rapidly. So I was kind of like, oh, this whole weight issue makes sense, but I didn't have an answer to my solution. Like I didn't have a, a solution to my problem, you know? Um, and so just spent a lot of time trying to lose weight, feeling defeated by my weight. And also at the same time, feeling like it was holding me back from who I truly was. Um, you know, when I would look in the mirror or look at pictures of myself, I would think, who is that? Because I had a picture of myself and the girl I saw in the reflection wasn't me. Um, and it was frustrating because I knew that my weight was holding me back in a lot of areas of my life. Um, and I knew that it wasn't just something I could overlook or not do anything about. Um, and I needed to find the thing that was finally gonna work that I can fully be myself. Um, and a huge, a huge um, quote from St. Catherine of Siena is, uh, if you are who you are meant to be, you will set the world on fire. And I just was like, I know who I want to be, but I feel so held back. How can I become that person? Um, and I know there's a lot of maybe stigmas around weight. Oh, maybe you should just be happy with the way that you are. But it was affecting me in my health. And like, if something is affecting your health, you can't just be happy with that, you know? Um, not just my physical health, my mental health as well. And so I saw a friend post a picture of her transformation, of her weight loss journey. And I was like, what the heck is she doing? Because I've tried everything. I feel like I've tried everything and I don't look like that. 
and I don't feel like that. And I don't have this healthy outlook on life that she's talking about. So I called her and it was really beautiful because when I had that initial conversation with her, she had asked me a couple questions. It wasn't just like, well, what are you eating and how much do you want to lose? That's not what it's about. It was, why do you want to make changes to your health? What would life look like if it was different from now, you know? Um, and really very different from what I had heard before, because everything I heard before is you need to do this. You need to do that. You have to stop eating this. You can't eat that. Um, whereas this, it was just really looking at the root of everything and really calling you, calling me deeper into this whole, um, my whole relationship with food and my whole outlook on life. Um, and so my friend Megan became my health coach and she kind of walked me through um, what a structured eating plan looks like. But really we had focused on making healthy choices, really looking at each choice I was going to make and each encounter I was going to make and knowing what choice I should make in that moment. So really not constantly depriving myself, but building up my discipline and so uh, with my health coach, I was able to lose 65 pounds, which was like absolutely incredible because I've never done that before in my life. Even, um, you know, the most I had lost before was maybe 30, 30 pounds or so. And that was after I had a baby, you know? <laughs> um, so in a span of 19 months, not only did I lose 65 pounds with the program, but after having um, my son, David, I have, uh, I have two sons, another on the way. So Yay. three all together, um, in a span of 19 months, I lost a hundred pounds wow. and I look back and I'm like, how the heck did I do that? And I know it's because not only, well, it's obviously the grace of God, but also really being able to change my mindset and have a different outlook on life. And I, like I had said, I was a teacher and that was my passion. And that was what I took my identity in a lot of the time, but I really wasn't happy with where I was and I was losing weight. I was feeling great. People were asking me what I was doing. People were asking me for help in their own journeys, but I don't think I was really ready uh, to let go of what I had come to know so well. Again, since I was nine years old, I was going to be a teacher. And here I was at 30 thinking about changing everything that I was doing. Um, my health coach and my husband just kept encouraging me and saying, you would be really good at this. Why don't you just start helping a couple people? Like, it doesn't have to be this big thing. You could fit it in, in the nooks and crannies of your life and, and see where it goes. And so I started helping people in their, their health as I was continuing to lose weight, which was great because it was like an accountability for me too. Cause it's not like I can coach someone with a Snickers bar in my hand. I can't be <laughs> like eating a whole pizza while I'm telling people like you need to make healthy choices. Um, and so I did, I started helping people. And then I found that helping people in this way really sparked something in me. I hadn't felt in a long time. I loved being in my classroom. I loved when my students got something. I loved teaching lessons, 
but it was everything else surrounding it that was like really bogging me down. And I felt like my flame had gone out. So as I started helping more people, I was like, oh my gosh, I think God is going to radically change my life. And he did. (laughs) Wow. That's fantastic. So I, I remember when you announced it, um, on Facebook and that I remember you doing a Facebook live, which by the way, your Facebook lives are like the best things ever on Facebook. Um, <laughs> Thank so, you. They're so funny sometimes. Um, but yeah, that that moment when you were in the classroom, do you remember that? And yeah. You're, and you're, you're crying and you're saying goodbye. I remember that. And honestly, I have never been so inspired. You know, mm. like it, I saw that as so much courage in that mm. moment. So from that, you you left something that you had studied at Franciscan for is that you know, yes yeah so you'd studied at Franciscan it was you know you'd spent four years of your life plus the six years in teaching so ten yeah. years of your life invest in this and then suddenly gone yeah how did that impact you spiritually like how like was that was that terrifying for you. No. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> it, well, okay. So there were so many emotions, but I knew, I knew so strongly, this is what God is calling me to. I that, that video, I knew that I had to let people know. I A part of me was like, am I letting people down? I was friends with parents on Facebook who I had taught their children and, you know, had made an impact in their children's lives. But I just... I knew that I wanted to share it, the fact that I was leaving teaching, and I knew I wanted to be very raw and real with it. I couldn't just, you know, write up a post because I was, like you said, I was bawling (laughs) um, because it's like my heart was breaking, but I, I just knew that this is what God was calling me to, and I couldn't say no. And I, and I don't know if this is just me or not, but being a teacher you want to give the best of yourself always. Um, I think that does is true for a lot of teachers. And so there's a lot of long nights, early mornings, lots of time spent in your classroom on the weekends. You know, I, I felt like I was always in my classroom and all my time kind of had to go to that. And I saw how it was affecting our relationship. I saw how it was affecting our kids. Like at that point we had two boys Um, I was never home for the kids or if I was, I was trying to grade or whatever. And both of us were just super stressed all the time. And, and we knew too, like, this is not what our life is meant to be. And so as my health coaching business was growing, we came to a point where it's like, man, I've replaced my teaching salary, which is like something I never even thought of because I'm just helping people in their health, you know? And we came to a point, it's like, I, I could do this full time. I could leave teaching. What? (laughs) Because again, like you said, 10 years of my life, like thinking about it forever, like, is that really what God's calling me to do? And I knew I couldn't just ask that question. I had to feel what it was like to say yes. And, and so I, we were in the kitchen and I said to Jonathan, what if I just leave? What if I, just stop teaching. And I, I come home and I do this. And it was hard for me to think of at first because I'm a teacher. I love teaching. And 
someone said to me, well, you will still be teaching just in a different way. I was like, oh, dang. (laughs) Yes, it's true. (laughs) Like I won't be teaching kids anymore, but I'll be teaching about health and I can still incorporate my faith. Um, Especially, you know, a lot of my clients are friends and family or my clients refer their friends and family to me. So they know that my Catholic faith is a huge part of me. And that's beautiful because we can really bring Christ into it um, when we're talking about offering things up or, um, denying yourself, you know, uh, which is really cool. Cause, uh, we kind of get it in that sense where I know we'll talk about this a little bit later, but you know, our world doesn't really get that, you know, right. right. Deny exactly. yourself. And, and so, yeah, I, I thought, what if, what if I just stopped teaching and I just saw like, it was like, I could see a, weight physically lifting off my husband and he had the hugest smile on your face and he said i would love that wow (laughs) which was like huge because he has always supported me in teaching i mean we had met we dated for four months we got engaged like it was everything it was clearly god was calling us to be with each other for the rest of our lives Um, But in the time that we met, it was kind of like, well, my life was already set. I was leaving to go to North Dakota to teach on an Indian reservation. And, you know, it was, I think it was, we had known each other for maybe a month or so. And I was like, by the way, in a couple of months, I'm going to North Dakota, you know, and we had lived in Pennsylvania at the time, but he just supported me in everything that I had done. Anytime I had to go to the classroom you know, it wasn't his favorite thing, but he knew like Kate needs to go and get these things done. Um, but to see the joy that it brought to him, just the fact that I would be home and spending more time with him and the kids and all of that, I just knew like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is what we're going to do. And this is what God's calling us to do. That's amazing. So it was very bittersweet, you know, again, letting go of something that I had known forever, but I had no regrets, even packing up my classroom or the last day, the last couple days with my students, I, I was just so ready for the next chapter and excited for what was God, what God was going to do in me and in us. That's incredible. So now that you've jumped headlong into this new, new life, what does your work look like now for you? Um, it's very freeing, uh, obviously make our own schedules and, you know, everything is very much revolved around our family. I have certain tasks that I do throughout the week and I have certain days that I check in with my clients, but at the same time I can bring my kids into it. You know, I'll, I'll be on a check-in call and my four-year-old John Paul would say like, you're doing great. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Or if I have to send an email out, I can have Davey, you know, snuggled up next to me. I never have to leave to get away from them. I mean, sometimes there are times where I go to coffee shops and I can fully focus, but I might be gone for a couple hours, not all day, every day. And they're stuck in daycare all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. that's fantastic. So, okay, so let's let's talk about a few things in regards to what it what it was like for you. So, so growing in virtue is really important for us as Catholics. Um, obviously, the Church for two thousand years has really pushed this this fact. Um, but especially in the last sixty years since the Council, 
um, the church has kind of loosened her focus on things like fasting and temperance. Um, for you, when you were going through your weight loss journey, um, did the idea of the virtue of temperance enter into your mind while you were doing that? Yeah. And it's actually, it's actually a big part of the program I coach with. Um, because, you know, we always say there's two words that you're not going to use here. You're not going to use the word diet and you're not going to use the word cheat because this is not about your willpower or falling off the wagon or failing. You know, this is really building up the discipline and, um, knowing that we are kind of thinking more so in the way of abundance instead of, um, depriving ourselves. And I think, I think that has a lot to do with temperance too, you know, doing everything in moderation, but a big part of what I tell my clients is when you are faced with a situation, um, especially in regards to food, you're going to want to make a choice and it's not going to be a simple yes or no, but you're actually going to be thinking about these things. And I, we use this thing called stop challenge choose where when you are faced with a choice, every craving you have, or every time you're, you're thinking about your food choices, you really need to think about your long-term goal because if you are giving in to every craving every food choice, every binging opportunity, you're just going to be stuck exactly where you are or worse, you know? Um, and so when I have an initial conversation with someone, we, I ask them like, what is your main motivation to want to make the changes to your health? What is your reason why? And it can't be just something like, well, I want to lose 75 pounds. Okay. That's great. But why, why do you want to lose 75 pounds? Well, so I don't have to hide in pictures any longer so I can run around with my kids so I can be more active. And um, a bigger, for me, my reason why was I want to be the person I know that God is calling me to be. And I knew that my weight was holding me back. Um, whether that's in things like spending more time with my kids, running around, playing, um, especially with our two active boys, you know, or uh, doing things around the house, uh, you know, housework or whatever, you know, um, or even just fully living. You know, I couldn't constantly make the choices I was making if I, if I was um, wanting to be in a different spot, you know. Um, and so that's something that I had to constantly think about. Um, and yes, it was hard, but we grow, you know, like things are, you can't just say something and then it's just going to happen. Like, I think that's what a lot of people think about with willpower. Oh, if I just will myself to do it, I can do it. No, you can't. Like as much as you would like to, you can't. I mean, and even, and that even goes along too with like thinking about trusting in God or God's grace, like, oh, well, well, God will just make it okay. God will just make it right. Well, are you taking the steps to do what he's calling you to do? Um, even like, I don't know if you've heard this story or joke or whatever it is, you know, there's a huge flood and this guy is saying, God, God, send me, send me help, send me help or come, come save me, God. And, you know, somebody comes with a car when the water starts coming and 
they're there to help him get out. And uh, he goes, oh, no, no, God's going to save me. God's going to save me. And then mm -hmm. the waters get higher. And so he goes to the top floor of his house and somebody comes with a boat. No, thanks. God's going to save me. And then, you know, the water keeps rising. He goes on the roof. A helicopter comes. No, thanks. God's going to save me. And he ends up drowning. And then it's like, well, God, where were you? I, I sent you help. Like, yeah. <laughs> you asked for help, but you didn't take the steps that you needed to take to get that help, you know? Um, and so it, it's, again, it's just, it's a growing process. Yes, we trust in the Lord. Yes, we rely on his grace, but we have to put in the work too. Um, and for me, a lot of that was denying the things that I wanted right now and knowing that what I wanted most was not what I wanted in the moment. Like, sure, I may really want that piece of chocolate cake, but I really want to be a better, healthier version of myself, you right. know? Right. Um, and I was going to say something else, but it just. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's all good. May come back. Um, but yeah. Oh, like, I remember. Oh, I remember. Okay. And also, too to rely on God's grace, but to give yourself grace as well. And to know this is not going to be an easy fix. This is not going to be something that's changed overnight. I had been an, an emotional eater for how many years of my life, you know, and I had to keep um, denying myself when I did want to turn to food and to know this brought me where I didn't want to be. So I can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Right. That's amazing. So with with your experience, I mean, it, it really does. I mean, it's very much like Lent, right? I mean, we go mm -hmm. into Lent with the goal and the plan to, you know, set out our Lenten observances, not because of an immediate thing that it gives us, but essentially with our eyes on the prize, right? Which is, mm -hmm. you know, the salvation of our own souls, the salvation of other souls, you know, um, you know, for, for our, for our spiritual good, you know, we know that depriving ourselves of these, these earthly pleasures and passions and things like that only serve to lead us closer to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So something that, that I've been thinking about lately is the fact that we've really become a culture of, of excess and addiction, whether it be things like food, food or pornography or Facebook or, Instagram or whatever. Why do you think that's the case? Why have we become such a culture of, of excess and addiction? Well, I think a lot of it is our culture has just become so much about instant gratification. If you want it, go get it. And it doesn't matter what it is or who you hurt. Our world is very selfish, you know, and at the root of all sin is selfishness and fear. And people think, well, if I don't do this or if I don't say this or I don't act this way, what are other people going to think of me? Or I don't know, it's just become a very me driven person. And I feel like an old woman saying this, but it has to do a lot with what we see in our media, you know, in the shows that we watch and um, I think that's a huge thing. You know, if, if we're seeing it on the TV, well, they're doing it and they seem okay. Maybe I'll feel great too, you know? Um, and again, it is just that 
that instant gratification. And why would I deny myself if I want this? Why not have it? You know, um, and people just kind of get up caught up in their own head in their own way. Um, and that's just, it's very unfortunate that that's the way our culture has become. Um, and to see the fact that when we get out of our own way and we're able to help someone else, it brings us so much, so much more joy than anything else could, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely. When, when you were dealing with the more so, I'm sure that the struggle is ongoing. Um, of course, I'm sure it gets better. But when you were struggling with that tendency for emotional eating, I know that I struggle with that when things get tough or whatnot. I definitely go looking in the snack cabinet or um, things like that. Where did you go to find your strength to fight those temptations? I know you had talked about the whole, um, what, what did you say? It was stop, challenge, stop, choose. Challenge, choose. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think a lot of it was really leading from the future and acting in the now. Okay. I'm feeling this emotion now, but how, how will I feel after I eat this? How will I feel after I indulge both, both physically and emotionally? Because if I'm going to Taco Bell, do you have that in Canada? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big downfall of mine. Like if I'm going to Taco Bell and ordering $10 worth of the dollar menu and I stuff it in my face, I might feel okay for a second, but then I'm going to feel terrible after <laughs> or, you know, giving into whatever craving I might have. It might taste good on my tongue, but then once it gets to my stomach and once I'm filled with that regret of like, oh, now I just have this heavy load of food on my stomach. Like I, I didn't like that feeling, you know? Yeah. And I even remember I had this one like breakthrough moment. Um, you know, everyone goes through this in marriage. My husband and I, we got into a pretty hard fight and this is this was uh, oh, about five months into my journey. I was down already 50 or so pounds. I, I feel like I had done a lot of work and was doing really well at denying myself, but we got into this fight and well, what's going to make me feel better? Eating all the food. And I'm like sitting there eating like all this fried food and this gross food. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? And at this point, I was helping a lot of people in their health and I'm like, what kind of an example is this, you know, and just, and it was another moment of like, Lord, this is not who I want to be. This is not the road I want to go down. And I know that I need to really work on this. Um, and again, to just go back to our culture and the instant gratification, it is so easy to just go to a drive through and get a bunch of food, especially cheap food, but you, you have to really call to mind all of these things like and like what emotion am i feeling and by eating these things will it fix or help my situation and as i was like eating these things i was like this is not going to fix or help anything having that hard conversation with my husband so that we can grow and become closer to each other and closer to christ that's going to fix things um and really like there's so many different 
choices that we can make to come to when it comes to food but but ultimately we we know what is good for us we know where we want to be so again like i said we lead from the future and act in the now i need to think about my goals and think about my why and are these foods that i'm going to eat going to support my why get me closer to my goals if not don't do it, you know? And it is hard to kind of build up that discipline and to deny yourself, but the beauty that comes from it is so worth it. (laughs) Like being able to reach your goal is so much better than having a piece of cheesecake. And I know cheesecake is really good, but (laughs) (laughs) especially from cheesecake factory. Right. So we we only have, I think one of those in Canada, but (laughs) okay. And, um, and it's not saying like, don't eat these things. Obviously God made food. Food is meant to be enjoyed. Like I consider myself a big foodie, but that doesn't mean I'm constantly going out to eat. And, you know, you can be healthy in your food choices and still be a foodie. You can be unhealthy in your food choices, but healthy in your mindset, you know? And, and it really, again, which with every situation you stop, you challenge yourself and then you make a choice you know, to say too, that like a big part of it in our, in our culture, we kind of like to hide from our feelings and not face things, you know, right on, but really we can't run from our feelings. We need to feel our feelings. It's okay to feel your feelings and then really kind of get to the root of it. Think about where is this coming from? Why is this happening? How can I make it better? And then going from there, leading from there. And there's so many feelings, you know, am I bored? Am I lonely? Am I angry? Am I stressed? Am I tired? Am I excited? Am I depressed? You know, like all these things. Okay. What do I need to do to actually address it? Popcorn's not going to help. Soda is not going to help, you know, and that, I think that really brings you deeper into your faith too, because then you take those feelings and you sit with them in prayer and ask God where he's calling you to go with these things. Right. Yeah, as you were as you were saying that, I was thinking about the fact that as Catholics, we're really called to have that custody of the mind in such a you know in so many ways, you know whether it be thoughts of lust or thoughts of you know about food or or thoughts that you know may not even be from ourselves. You know, it could be coming from from the devil himself. You know, um, to discourage us, things like that yeah, we need that. We need that custody of the mind in, in your work. I know that you have, um, had experience both with women, with men and, and, uh, some priests as well. Yeah. Right. I have two, uh, priests that I coach. I also have two sisters that I coach oh, wow. and they, they are very, they share their journey with everyone. So I know that they don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They are very happy with where, where they uh, have come. Even my, my one priest friend has talked about how losing weight and really uh, not giving into his food choices has just brought him so much deeper in his spirituality. He has been a priest for, I think, 20 or 25 years now. And he said, my prayer life has never been stronger because all of those things that were kind of holding me back and, and the fog that I was having, um, like when your health is in check, you just have so much clarity and it just really 
feeds into everything else. And to have him share that proudly, um, it, it, oh my gosh, it just, it's just amazing to hear his testament. And, you know, uh, the beautiful thing about me being a health coach that is kind of labeled as a Catholic health coach is that people can share with me like, oh my gosh, my prayer is so much deeper. I want to lose weight because I want my prayer to be deeper. I want my prayer life to be deeper. I want to grow closer to God, you know, um, where a lot of times our world is just like about the, the outward look and all of that, you know? So again, it's really cool that what I coach is not a diet. It's not a quick fix. The, The things that the world always wants, it's something way deeper to bring you deeper into that healthy mind and that healthy body. Right. Right. So in, in your experience, would you say that men and women deal with these, these issues differently? And like, what would, what would you say is the difference, um, when you're, when you're coaching, say a woman versus a man? I think that honestly, I think that it is different for every person based on how deep they want to go. Um, you know, I have had, uh, women who just kind of close themselves off. Yep. I'm doing good. Yep. I'm doing great. And then I don't hear from them. And then I realize they're not doing so well, you know, or I have, um, men who really face head on, this is what I'm dealing with. And I want to get to the root of it where, you know, a lot of times people say, Oh, the women are so emotional, you know, and they'll, they'll face their emotions. But the beauty that I've seen in the men that I coach in the ways that they've wanted to go deeper is just incredible. And that's what gets them far. And that's what has it, you know, gives it that long-term staying power. So I don't really think it's, it's different based off of, men and women, it's just kind of like, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. You know, if you're willing to, to go deep, look at this at the root of it, make it about your mindset and really transforming your entire life, not just the physical, but, you know, giving it that long-term staying power. That's, that's what's going to make you successful. Right. Give you that freedom that you're so desiring. That's so, that's so great. So, Another kind of similar question. So I've been recently uh, thinking about the priesthood um, and how our priests are getting let, especially where we are um, in, in Canada, um, our, our numbers in our seminaries are dwindling. Our parishes are closing at faster rates. Our priests are being stretched incredibly um, you know, across multiple, multiple parishes, um, and the funds are depleting and, and all of that, you know, and I've been thinking about the fact that there's so many priests who struggle with obesity and, Mm -hmm. and bad health. Yeah. What are your thoughts on how, like what, what priests struggle with and, um, with that, with regards to that. And is, is there a way that we can support, especially our priests who are maybe struggling with their weight without fat shaming them? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, 
one thing that plays into emotion is loneliness. And even though that priests are constantly surrounded by people, it can be a very lonely lifestyle. I mean, obviously Christ fills them more than any other human person can, but on the same token, when you go home to your rectory, what, what, what are you going to do? You know, and, um, eating isn't necessarily sinful. I mean, if you are constantly giving into your food desires, that's when it becomes an issue, but you know, you don't, if you're overweight, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it could be years and years of unhealthy choices. And so I think that I've heard it somewhere, something about how, oh my gosh, I always try to quote things and then I never know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> how like gluttony is not necessarily a sin that is very, um, it's a hard sin to recognize mm. because it can happen over time. Oh, well, I need to eat food or, you know, well, I have this meeting and I'm, I'm it's a lunch meeting. So of course I'm going to eat, but um, you know, just to kind of talk about to one of the priests that I coach, he came to me saying, Kate, how can I take care of my people if I'm not taking care of myself? And that really struck me because you think, well, why would a priest want to lose weight? Because again, thinking about our world and our culture, losing weight is all about how you look, you know, um, and people like don't realize that, no, it really is about your health. Um, and he said, you know, if I'm not taking care of myself, how can I take care of my people? And I want to do this as a sacrifice for them. And to see that he loves his people in his parish through his health journey has just been incredible. And he's been able to do so many things that he couldn't have done if he was still 40 pounds heavier. Um, even for example, he um, he's a priest in New York City and he had someone, someone had broken into the parish twice. Uh, the first time was at the beginning of his health journey. The second time was at the end of his health journey. You know, he had lost his weight. I mean, our, our health journey never ends. Um, you know, he had lost the weight and he was actually able to see on the camera from his rectory that someone, that same person was in the church. He ran over to the church and yelled at this man to get out. And thankfully they were able to find this man. But he said to me, if I was 40 pounds heavier, I could have never done that. And who would have known what else he would have taken from my parish? Wow. Um, and from my people. And, you know, a lot of times priests are cooking for themselves and because they don't have the time or maybe they don't have the, the um, energy to cook for themselves, they just go out to eat a lot. So I think the best is, again, maybe they don't have the time for you to welcome them into their home, but, or into your home, but cooking healthier meals for them. Um, and, you know, I think that it is like, it's an issue that people do recognize, but they don't know how to help uh, our priests who might be like that. So I think something like that is good, you know, offering healthy meals for them. Hey, Father, can I cook for you? Not, not necessarily saying, can I cook you a healthy meal? Because you got some <laughs> weight you got to lose, you know. But even um, my priest's bishop has said to him, you look amazing what are you doing? Cause I need a lot. I need this for a lot of my priests, you know? 
Uh, we think of we think of a lot of issues that our priests encounter, but again, that's something that oftentimes is overlooked. But if we could get our priests healthy, like how, how beautiful that would be. So yeah. <laughs> give them my number. That's yeah. what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Um, I I actually have a have a side story that pertains to that. I have a a good priest friend who. Um, has recently gone through his own little bit of health uh, of a health journey and uh, he actually dropped a hundred pounds in a year which was pretty impressive um, yeah. but you know after he had done all that you know he had gone on a on a big pilgrimage came back was feeling great and a family took him out to dinner and as they were walking by there was this cabinet filled with cakes and and this priest said well that looks tasty and but you know just kind of like avert your eyes after you know like he you know he he knows that if he were to eat that it wouldn't be good um yeah. but he just kind of said oh that looks tasty and and moved on um and this family that was taking him out to dinner as they were finishing they bring over a box it's the entire cake and they lay it in front of him and they say, this is for you. Don't share it with anyone. You know, <laughs> like, and for him, I mean, it was the most delicious cake, you know, he, and he wanted it so bad, you know, but he felt so bad having to take it, you know, knowing that he, he probably wouldn't eat it. Um, granted, he did eat it. <laughs> but the thing is, yeah, he, yeah, it was just a big temptation for him. And I feel like for a lot of us, we tend to treat our priests really well. And we don't necessarily take that kind of thought into mind of how are we actually helping them physically too, you know, like, well, you know, well, we may, we may feed them, but we'll feed them like way too much or or whatnot so yeah no that's that's kind of why I wanted to ask you about that because I I feel like our priests are kind of backed into a corner at times too with that guilt you know sometimes of you know especially if they come over to a family's place to eat and they sit down and it's all fatty foods it's all stuff that they know is just gonna break their you know um whatever you want to call it diet or whatever like mm -hmm. it, it's hard for them, especially because they've got this persona where they want to be loving and accepting and they don't want people to look bad on the priesthood, you know, and they don't want to be yeah. complete jerks. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes for everyone who is trying to be healthy. You know, everyone will kind of encounter that like, oh, if you just have a bite, it will be fine but you don't know if that bite is going to lead to some, something else for someone, you know? Um, and so I talk with all my clients about sharing your health journey and having people support you in it. And, you know, sometimes you will still encounter friends and family who just don't get it and you just kind of have to let it roll off your shoulders. But, you know, I always say when people are going to parties or family dinners or whatever, and they, they think, well, what if, what if they really want me to eat that? You know, you, you could say, it might be hard to say, but know that you are worth it and it is important. So to say something like, 
oh, I'm going to pass for now. And, and if people say, well, it's just a bite. Yeah, it is. But I've got goals. People aren't going to say, well, forget your goals. Just eat the thing, you know, like, yeah. and just like, again, inviting people into your journey. Yeah. Um, my one priest friend before he started, he wrote up something in the bulletin, letting his parishioners know I am changing my way of eating. I want healthier habits. I want to be your priest for as long as I can and serve you for as well as I can. Um, and this is important to me. I might say no to some dinners. Um, I might not eat certain things that you offer me, but no, it's not because I don't love you. It's because I love you and I want to better serve you. And I just, he, I'm just in awe of him, <laughs> like <Yeah>. father, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, my other priest friend, he was losing lots of weight and people were thinking, is he sick or what's going on? You know, he was still able to go out um, and eat with people, but make healthy choices, but he was losing a lot of weight and people were wondering what was going on. So he had to put in his bulletin. No, I am not sick. Yes. I have lost 45 pounds. It was 45 at that point. He lost 70 pounds total. Wow. Um, I have changed my eating habits. I am committed to living a healthier life. Uh, if you have any questions, please ask me, you know? So again, just inviting people into it and yeah, it might be hard to say no, thank you, or to take the cake and just donate it to someone else who maybe isn't struggling with that or isn't seeking a health journey or whatever. Obviously you're not going to just give it to anyone, you know, <laughs> it'd be terrible for that priest to turn around and give it to someone who is also trying to lose weight, you know? Right. <laughs> um, but knowing that again, you are worth it. You are important. And people are going to understand, even if they are maybe offended a little bit for, <laughs> for a little bit, like it's, it's going to be okay. They're not going to hold it against you, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, inviting people in and, and letting people know why, again, for father to say, I'm doing this because I want to serve you. Oh, father, don't, don't serve me. Just eat the pizza. You know, like, <laughs> no, if you can see the love and the, the reason why, where it's coming from, there's no way you can, can say anything else to that person, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know that your, your husband lovingly referred to as J dog. Um, J dog. Yes. <laughs> Some people, it's really funny. I use J dog so often. One time I used his actual name, which is Jonathan and a good friend of mine said, who's that? <laughs> My husband. And they're like, Oh, J dog. I never knew what the J stood for. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. That's, that's too funny. So, um, I know that he's been, incredibly encouraging through this whole thing for you but not all marriages have that um yeah. you know what would you what would you say to a buried couple where one spouse is is trying really hard to uh get back to a health healthier lifestyle um but yeah the other spouse just doesn't get it yeah um find people who are going to support you I mean, obviously your spouse is going to support you in other ways, but they might not just get it. They might be happy with where they're at. Maybe they don't have to make changes to their health. So maybe they don't even understand what you're struggling with. Um, and trying to voice to them how important it is to you. But if they're not getting it again, 
find the support that you need. I know um, for me, what was beautiful is Jonathan had always been, you know, very active in sports and um, was always kind of at a healthy weight until we got married. I don't know if that was my fault or not. (laughs) It was very health conscious. Even when he saw himself gaining weight, something clicked and he knew I need to pay attention to my nutrition. I need to be working out every morning. Um, It was inspiring seeing him get up at 4.30 every single morning, working out, losing weight, looking great. And then there was me who was still overweight and couldn't couldn't lose it no matter what I tried. Um, And for him, it, it was hard to understand because he's like, well, all you need to do is this, this, and this, but my body didn't work that way. And so it was constantly saying to him, well, I I think this will work or I think this will work. And, you know, sometimes he would say yes. Sometimes he would say no. Um, And I remember right before I started this program, I just kind of looked at him in desperation and I said, I need someone to hold my hand and it can't be you (laughs) because he was Mr. Healthy. He got it. But my (laughs) mind worked a lot differently. And he, thank God, supported me in that. Um, but there were sometimes he he didn't fully get it or didn't fully understand how hard it was for me to say no to certain foods or how hard it was for me not to eat my emotions because that's not something he ever really struggled with. Um, so, you know, the beauty with our marriage is he would say, call your health coach, call your health coach, talk to your girlfriends, you know, like, um, so he would point me into that direction but some people's spouses might not be like that. So again, um, really try to, to voice why you need to make these changes um, and what you are doing to make these changes and what is going to hinder you from making these changes. But then also if they're just not getting it, find the people that will support you in this realm. Yeah. Now, I mean, I know that for myself, you know, sometimes you know, I look at myself as, you know, the guy who goes off to work and my wife, uh, you know, she does the cooking and the cleaning kind of thing. Um, and, you know, so sometimes I find myself wishing that, you know, she would go and, and cook the things that were more healthy or things like that. Um, but for me, like, I've had to come to the realization that it's not her responsibility to... Mm to do those things, you know, like if she, if she wants to live that lifestyle, that's, that's up to her. But if, if I want to live like that, if I want to live healthier, I have to take that responsibility myself. Like, do you agree with that? Yeah. And whether that's, Hey, can we try this recipe? You know, like giving her some recipe ideas to try every so often, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be every day or offering to do the cooking, which I know can be hard if you're like off to work all the time, whatever, Um, but sometimes you might say, I'm going to cook for myself tonight, not because I don't enjoy your food, but because I'm trying to be healthier, you know? And again, I think it has to do with inviting, inviting each other in. Um, thankfully we were eating healthier foods together. So that made it easier for me, but I do have some clients who their husbands are like, I'm not eating that or like their kids won't eat it, you know? So it is an extra sacrifice for them to make their food and then the food for the rest of their family. But again, knowing your worth, knowing your why, it just makes it, 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 it makes it all, well, knowing your worth makes it worth it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So really looking at, well, what can I do to make these changes and make these steps? Right. So we're officially, when this podcast goes live, we're going to be in the midst of Lent. Um, Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to say people who may be struggling right now with their Lenten observances and giving things up? Hmm. Well, um, I think again, just kind of first looking at, well, this is in the midst of Lent, so. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go, let's go into the mindset of Lent. (laughs) Get, get, get a little sad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I was thinking of, because sometimes we set ourselves up for failure. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we pick things to give up for Lent that are just way over our heads. And maybe that's not what God was calling us to do in the first place, you know? And so even if you're in the midst of it and you kind constantly find yourself falling off that wagon or giving into whatever you were supposed to give up, well, Lord, what did you really want of me this Lent? You know, mm-hmm. um, really, uh, looking for what God is calling you to, not what you think you should do. <laughs> because that what that's what Lent is about, bringing ourselves deeper and closer to Christ um, and into, into the church, you know, trying to make ourselves holier by not giving into that selfishness. Um, so really asking, well, Lord, is this what you really wanted of me? And then again, you can even use that stop, challenge, choose, you know, um, why did I choose to give this up? And what is the outcome going to be by giving this up? I am going to become holier. I'm going to become closer to Christ. You know, when we are fasting, we're denying ourselves. And why do we do that? It makes us holier because we're no longer thinking about our selfishness, but we're thinking about taking those things away so we can really focus on what's important. Um, and again, It can be hard in the midst of it, but we think about, am I just wanting to justify this and just saying, oh, well, it doesn't really mean anything if I don't give it up, you know? No, it does. It does. It's leading us closer to God. And if that's really, truly what we want, then we're going to be able to stick to what we're doing, just like with our health goals. If I truly want to be at that spot, then I can say no to something for a short time. Lent is only 40 days. Like <laughs> it's not forever, you know? Um, and that's kind of what I say too with my clients, you know, this is not, you're not going to be in weight loss forever. You can't be, you know, you can have those things again. Um, so it, it's okay to just kind of give it up for a short time. Um, think about that long-term goal. I want to be holier. I can say no to these things. But is this what really God, what God was calling me to? No. Okay. What are you calling me to Lord? You know? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, especially among a lot of more traditionally minded Catholics, fasting in the strict sense of the word is really important, especially with, um, you know, for people who want to try to, even though it's not, you know, people aren't bound to it. They really want to try to live that pre-Vatican II kind of life. Um, and so they try to fast really hard. Um, and they'll, they'll even do from basically from midnight to 3 a 3 PM, no food kind of thing. And, and it gets, it can be pretty difficult. Um, when 
when you're fasting, are you, I, I don't, I don't know how much that, that is a part of your, um, your health regimen that you followed, but, um, in your experience with fasting, has that, is that something that you find that you really have to work up into, or is it something that it's, it's better to just dive right into it and go, go super hard and just, yeah. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, is it better to, to work into a fasting regiment or is it, is it better to go cold Turkey Mm. or does that depend on the person? Well, I think, I think with fasting, it really is your mindset. You know, like they say, you could put, you could do anything you put your mind to, you know, um, obviously it's not like, well, I'm going to fast from midnight to three. So tomorrow I will fast from midnight to 10 AM and see how I do. And then 11 and then, you know, you're not going to build it up that way because really our bodies need the nutrition, you know, our bodies work a certain way. God has enabled our bodies to work this way, to do the things that we need to do in life. We need the energy you know, and where do we get energy from as human beings from food? So um, what I do and I encourage my clients to do is to eat six small meals throughout the day, every two to three hours apart um, to keep your metabolism going, to give you all the energy that you need throughout the day. And even last year, there was a big question like, well, what do I do for Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, you know? Um well, you follow the rules of the church, you know, <laughs> we, yes, we're on this health journey. Yes, we are eating a certain way, but our faith comes before everything else. Like God gave us these bodies to glorify him so we can do what our church is asking us to do in eating, you know, a certain way for those days. Um, and then really looking at, well, if you know what is good for your body when it comes to food, maybe give something else up, you know, fast from something else. There are so many things that we can fast from without having to fast from food. But if that's what you feel you are called to do um, for certain days or certain times, like I don't think it's something that you build up to. It's just, okay, for this day, I'm going to fast. I'm going to distract myself um, with other things, whether that be, um, prayer or song or conversation with people or getting your water in, you know, that's always key regardless <laughs> of whether you're fasting from food or not. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's something that you would build up to, but just kind of, all right, this day, I know that I'm going to fast. So making a plan, what am I going to do when I want to turn to food? How can I turn to Christ instead? You know, what physical things can I do? Um, whether that's reading or praying a rosary or, or what, what have you. So there's no way to prepare physically, but mentally, spiritually. Yeah. You can totally prepare for it. Cool. Um, I received a question from one of our co-hosts um, that they wanted to get your thoughts on. So, um, so this is from Matt. So he said um, he wanted to ask you about the resurgence of fasting in nutrition circles, um, more for the natural benefits than for having the virtue. Um, he says, I'm sure she's noticed that there's been a bit of a flurry of books published, especially on 
intermittent fasting for immune health, helping with mm-hmm. insulin resistance, etc. And if she could comment on the difference uh, you have to have in mindset when approaching fasting as a Catholic. I know. Deep, deep question, right? <laughs> for those who didn't see, she just got really close to the webcam. <laughs> Listen, I used to be a third grade teacher. You just use a lot of really big words. <laughs> Honestly, like there is so much out there. There is so much that you can do. I think a huge thing is research what is going to work for you. Listen to your body. Um, it's one thing to fast coming from the Catholic mindset of, you know, I am offering this up as a sacrifice, but then it's also another thing to fast and know that you are just not feeling your best self. You are not feeling it healthy. This is not how a human body should feel. You know, Christ is not going to call us to something that's going to harm us, you know? So, I mean, if you feel your healthiest while you are, you know, fasting, especially with the, the school of, you know, what intermittent fasting is awesome. If it's working for you, awesome. You know, and everything, what what has worked for me is not going to work for everyone else but i have come to learn that when i eat six times a day every two to three hours apart that's when i feel my healthiest that's when i feel most on top of my game that's when i know my nutrition is in check um but if i'm not going to say this is the one and only way to do it you know Mm -hmm. there has been so many you know results after results of of people with success through doing this way of eating that I have done um, and really working on mindset. Uh, so it works for me. Yeah. But if it yeah. works for someone else, you know, like, <laughs> is that the question? Kind of. Um, I guess more, more specifically, can you, can you, ad- yeah, essentially, can you address the difference of mindset that we need to have as Catholics when approaching things like fasting versus someone who isn't a Catholic, who just wants to fast for the health benefits. Um, Thank you for saying that again. Yeah. I, I think the goals are different. You know, when you are fasting simply to lose weight, it's different than fasting to deny yourself. Um, and yes, you are going to be denying yourself as you're losing weight. So it, it does kind of intertwine. But at the same time, if you are not coming from a Catholic standpoint, your reason why and your goal and your eyes on the prize is is going to be different than, you know, I am doing this to lead me closer to Christ. There's still a goal in mind in both situations, but one might be, you know, one is your physical health. The other is your spiritual health. Um, so I, I think, again, still you are you are denying yourself in both ways. You're not depriving yourself. You know, those, those denying and deprival, those are two different things, um, even though they seem very similar. But with both things, there is that end goal. Just the end goal is different. Right. Um, Last question. So as you were in, especially getting right into 
your first steps of of the journey was there a patron saint that you turned to that inspired you or or some other catholic figure or or even any somebody else if there wasn't uh someone within the faith but was there anyone who inspired you um as you were continuing into that journey um not someone specifically that I had called to mind. I love all of the saints. Uh, <laughs> and especially in the in the time that I had started my journey, I was still teaching third grade and we would talk about a saint every single day. Um, but there, I love the one, I love uh, St. Teresa of Avila. She has a really, a lot of really good quotes. Um, the one that I love the most is uh, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing away. God never changes, you know, and when it was hard, okay, this cannot disturb me. I'm not going to have anxiety about this. Like God is calling me to a deeper life and he's not going to change his mind and say, just kidding. You know, like you can just live the way you want, you know, um, so her, I love her quote so much, but I mean, there was always quotes, whatever emotion I was, that was something I would do, you know, instead of emotionally eating, well, let me look for a quote that is really going to inspire me during this time. The Blessed Mother had always been huge during my journey, um, especially when things got hard. And this isn't even like, this is just something a priest said during a homily once uh, about the Blessed Mother. He said, you know, Mary is not there to make everything easy for us. And just, you know, she's not going to take the waters away, those treacherous waters away, but she's going to help you rise above it. And so I constantly call on our Blessed Mother to help me um, in my journey. And, you know, not just my health journey, but in my faith journey in life uh, with all things going on. You know, she has yeah. been key for me, but yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how people can get in contact with you and involved with what you do. Yeah, definitely. So everything that I do is very relational. So it's not like I have a website that I'm just going to send you to because I care more about you and your goals than to just say here, look me up. You know, I want to have a conversation with you. I want to know where you're at, where you want to be. And so um, I am very present on my Facebook, Kate Hicks, you can look me up, but also Instagram. I love Instagram. Uh, my handle is kate.hicks.health. Um, so you can send me a direct message there. And um, again, when people ask me, can I have more information about what you do? My goal is always to just chat with you on the phone because you're worth more to me than just kind of typing things out or whatever. So if you uh, contact me, I will ask you for your phone number or we could speak over Facebook messenger because, because I want to know you and how I can help you best in your journey. That's awesome. That's awesome. Kate, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Huge thanks to Kate Hicks for joining us on the podcast today. We really want to know your thoughts on the topics discussed during today's podcast, as well as your questions and topics you'd like us to explore in the future. 
So, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Theology of the Buddy and come hang out with us. Please follow and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play to keep up on the great conversations, with new episodes coming every Wednesday. We would also love if you would rate us on iTunes if you have not done so already. It'd really help us out. Next week, the boys are joined by Father Steve Marsh. They will be discussing fasting, Pope St. John Paul II's Luminous Mysteries, and will feature a special bonus conversation with Phil from Unum Sanctum Catholicum regarding the question of the legitimacy of John Paul II's canonization. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay tratty, everybody!